Oh yeah. Canceled too soon. A podcast. Podcast. About TV. Television shows. That were. That were very, very short. Canceled too soon. One season or less. Oh yeah. This week on Canceled Too Soon. Beyond Westworld. Can't we get beyond Westworld? Are you a robot? We have to find out which member of your rock band is a robot and where he's hiding a nuclear bomb. I think one of us is a robot. (gasps) Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted one season or less. And this week, we've got a really, really fun one. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for Crave Online and Blumhouse.com. Everyone calls me Bibbs. Nice to see you. Hi. Uh, I'm Mike Douglas, uh-huh. and I'm going to be your co-host for the week. Okay. My name is Whitney Seibold. I think I think Mike Douglas had co-hosts. Wasn't that the idea? Like, Oh, yeah. Mike Douglas was the one with the co-host. We're so supposed you, to be I TV guess, experts. I guess you're Mike Douglas. Uh, and I'm Whitney Seibold. I'm a film critic of some stripe. Uh, I am the co-host of the B-Movies podcast, From Whence We Hail. <laughs> Uh, and uh, what are we talking about this week? We're talking well, this week about... we're talking about Westworld. Now, don't get don't get freaked out. Don't get freaked out because HBO's enormously successful ratings been, from Bonanza they've Westworld already announced multiple seasons. That you're, show is doing just good. fine. But what people However. <laughs> what people don't remember mm. is that after uh, mm. the nineteen seventy three or yeah the nineteen seventy three movie Westworld, mm. uh, starring Richard Benjamin, James Brolin, and, and Yul, Yul Brenner as the evil gunslinger. Uh, after yeah, and th- that was after the Magnificent Seven. That's true. So Yul Brynner uh, was established. Yul Brynner was mm. playing off of his persona. It was really weird. Uh, after that movie, there was a sequel called Future World that not a lot of people remember. And then after that, there was a 1980 television series called Beyond Westworld that ran on CBS from March 5th, 1980 to March 19th. 1980. Three, three episodes. Three weeks. Yeah, <laughs> that's Ooh. it. That's all I got. They did three episodes. They filmed five episodes. And thank you to the wonderful folks at the Warner Archive. Uh, they put out a DVD containing all five episodes. And what a treasure they are. Uh, and uh, we got to watch all of them. Yeah, it's a lot, all, a lot of all, fun. All five of those episodes about Westworld. Now, uh, Westworld, in case you don't know. Yeah, what's the basic uh, premise of Westworld? Uh, it takes place in the near future where robot technology has essentially been perfected. And we can make robots that don't behave like humans but look and are indistinguishable from humans. Well, and they can behave and, by humans if they're programmed uh, to. Right, they're right, not right. like – they don't think they're human, but they are animatronics, basically. Yeah, they're not like the uh, the – Synthoids from Blade Runner. They're, or, uh, or the androids from the new Westworld, which mm. is playing with the idea of artificial intelligence. Okay. These are just like really hyper-realistic mm. animatronics that can be programmed to do human stuff. Right. And, and if uh, they go haywire, as they do in Westworld, they start killing all well, the guests. The, the premise of Westworld, Westworld is the name of an amusement park. It's an old West town populated, excuse me, by robots. <laughs> And you get to go in and interact and live amongst these robots. And mm. you can even gun down the bad guy with real bullets if you want to, because he's a robot. Well, they don't use real bullets. But, yeah, they kind of do, actually. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you, you can sh- shoot people and have yeah. sex with real prostitutes and pretend like you're well, in the real Real West. fake prostitutes. Real fake but, prostitutes. But yeah, you can. Um, and it was apparently it was a big, big deal. It was a huge tourist attraction. Uh, and then... The robots went haywire and killed everybody, and it seems like such an obvious premise now. Michael Crichton, of course, also wrote Jurassic Park, which was the even more successful version of that basic 
amusement park uh, breaks down and kills uh, everybody. Uh, extraordinary uh, science-based amusement. It now, seems Michael, obvious Michael now, Crichton but at the was, time, yeah. it was actually really ahead of its time. There really hadn't been a lot of stuff about robots going haywire and killing everybody. Mm-hmm. The original Westworld was the first example, at least, that I've been able to discover, of a robot vision, where you can see like a computer readout as Ooh. robots are walking around. Um, yeah, I'm try- hmm. I, I think it's the first one. There, there have been POV shots from robots uh, in like e- even going back to the 50s. But, but like that Terminator that, look? Yeah, that's yeah, sort that's of Westworld. like shaky Terminator look. Okay. Yeah. And in fact, if you go back and watch the original Westworld, uh, Michael Crichton was very much ahead of his time in a lot of ways. He really yeah. thought out some stuff. The idea of a computer virus... Uh, no one had actually used the word computer virus mm. when Westworld had come out. The idea that a code could be inserted into a computer that could alter its programming, that kind of existed. But there's a moment in Westworld where they're concerned that the robots are sort of in, like infecting each other with mm. malware, basically. But these terminologies don't exist, even though the movie takes place in the future. So there's this whole point where... So what you're saying is there's some sort of disease that's going from robot to robot? Uh, that's a stupid idea. Uh, I don't believe that exists. And it's a room full of scientists who invented the robot. <laughs> well, so it's really interesting to see uh, how this stuff began. Michael Crichton, uh, he didn't just write sort of uh, schlocky thrillers. He also was a scientist. He he enjoyed scientific theories. Yeah, even his uh, worst the, stuff is usually based on interesting science. Like yeah. Congo, like he really thought out the science of Congo. Yeah, and he even, just didn't think out the plot very well. Same with, same with <laughs> Sphere. We talked about yeah. Sphere earlier. I, I never read we Sphere, about Sphere on, our, on our Facebook live, our Facebook video. live video. Yeah. Uh, we, I, I saw the movie version of Sphere, and it's such a stinker. It's so bad. You know, it's not, it, it, the problem with Sphere is that it isn't that it's that bad. It's just it's just sort of there. It doesn't have much of a it's story just sort of or generic. nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a galaxy of terror in the water, mm. basically. So what? Uh, but. Yeah. But yeah, he was very interested in sort of futurism and what technology would actually look like and uh, predicting how things would actually go. And he tried to think of how you could actually make dinosaurs in the modern age. And it seems sort of obvious to us now because of him yeah. that it, how you could make dinosaurs in the modern age or lifelike robots. And sure enough, we actually found world. a piece of a dinosaur encased in amber recently. How cool is that? With feathers and all. With feathers! That's yep. so interesting! I love it! Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there was Westworld. Uh, then there was Future World. And Future World was... Uh, it starred Peter Fonda and Blythe Danner as reporters who are investigating Westworld as it is sort of coming back after the mm. horrible incident. And what they're discovering is that the people behind Westworld are only opening up the park to really rich and powerful people. And then they're scanning all of these people throughout the park and they're making robot duplicates of those people mm. to send out into the world to control the world. The movie isn't that great. It's kind of interesting. It's, it's a fun enough premise. It it's, raises it's, neat ideas. There's a couple of good bits, but it's, it's not a, terribly exciting. It's a good sleepover movie. Is it's what an, it is. Yeah, yeah, it's an it's, okay flick. Um, and then, uh, uh, and I feel like that's probably somewhere they're going to go in HBO's Westworld. Now, mm-hmm. a lot of people are watching HBO's Westworld. There's a really good chance you're watching HBO's Westworld, and good. It's a really, really good show. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. Whitney hasn't. I haven't. It's it's on my list. <laughs> what I admire about the new Westworld is how they take the premise of Westworld, and it's kind of like, okay, well, when are the robots going to go nuts and kill everybody? Mm-hmm. It seems like that's all there's going to be. And what they very cleverly notice, uh, this is created by Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy, mm-hmm. executive produced by J.J. Abrams, um, is that Westworld was also ahead of its time in the idea of video game theory. About the idea of an environment, an open world environment, not unlike Grand Theft Auto. That's what Westworld was. You walk around and you do whatever you want. Mm. It's a way for people to sort of become whoever they are when they're not 
when they don't have a filter on. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're heroic, you're heroic. It's if like, you want to be evil, you can, and there's no consequence. But like what does a, it say the, about you as a person? The, the escapism of movie is just taken to the logical extreme. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, after uh, the original Westworld came out, we started getting a lot more stories about artificial intelligence and robots that become human and become self-aware. Um, Terminator, I think, owes Westworld at least something of a debt. <laughs> uh, and uh, um, Westworld is also toying with the idea of what happens when the robots become so sophisticated that they start noticing that their life doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's very well acted. It's very intelligent. I think it may have its head up a little up its own ass with all the mysteries. Like, maybe it doesn't need to be quite uh, as... That's, maybe that's, that's, maybe that's, that's the way a lot of shows go, though. I feel, like it's stand to be really a, I feel like it could stand to be a teensy mm-hmm. bit more direct, and it would still be fine. Mm-hmm. But whatever. It's a really, really great show, and I recommend it entirely. Um, before that... In 1980, they did Beyond Westworld, which is very much the lame adventure version of this. It's uh, Every week there's going to be a new robot causing some shit in the real world. Now they had to set it up, yeah, sort of this adventure premise. So there's now a super villain. There's a bad guy and the company Delos. um, Mm -hmm. Delos, I think. Or Delos, excuse me. Yeah. Sold backwards. Yeah. Uh, oh, I hadn't really thought about that. That's funny. <laughs> as, as in your shoes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, yeah, there's this, Delos is this sort of agency that's tracking down the robots that were stolen by a villain. So hmm. it's, the only thing it really takes from Westworld, even though it takes place in the same universe as Westworld, and in fact, there's a Westworld poster in the office. Of yeah, Dallas. as if that's the post, like the poster for the movie Westworld. That's like the poster for the theme park. Yeah, is yeah. the idea. But it's the poster for the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a funny shout out. That it's, works. It's, yeah. a, it's a cute, yeah, a little yeah. nod. That's okay. But uh, it it also kind of branches off and it becomes sort of its own thing. It doesn't have a, it. It right. doesn't have any common characters. You could have called. It doesn't this take not... place in Westworld. I, it, I suspect there's a really good chance that this kind of probably started as some sort of idea that was similar to Westworld and then it got Westworld tacked onto it because yeah, after, the, possible. after the fundamental premise uh, of how the robots got made in the first place, you don't need Westworld. No. And it's fact, not really that, important. That's why it's called Beyond Westworld. Yeah. They're, they're just sort of banking it on the name. So, so it's about... It, it uh, begin, it be, at the very beginning of the pilot, Westworld is is over. It's gone. Well, the first episode of the show is called you wrote down Westworld. You the dialogue, right? It, yeah. The first episode of the show is called Westworld Destroyed. The opening of the show is this guy in a helicopter landing on the Delos uh, skyscraper on their helicopter pad. He walks out. It's like it's raining. It's all dramatic. And a woman walks out onto the rooftop very dramatically. And the first line of dialogue is, Westworld is destroyed! Like so, like, that's oh, it, and we're done. Okay, great. Thank you very much, and we're out of here. Thank you. But, I can and, see why the show got canceled so quickly. An evil scientist named Quaid, because of course he's Quaid. He's either Quaid or Kane. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they both sound real evil, yeah. don't they? Uh, played by uh, da, da, James <coughs> Wainwright. Yeah, uh, who's actually a very good actor. I thought he's very good in this role. Yeah, he knows what um, he's doing. Uh, has absconded with numerous robots. Mm-hmm. He also has the ability, it's established, uh, to create new ones that can look like whoever he wants to, although that's not really explored. Or at least he can uh, reskin them and yeah. reprogram them. Mm-hmm. Like, he has the robots, and there's a couple of times throughout the show where there's a point where, like, uh, uh, so the hero of the show is a guy named John Moore. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is played by Jim, Jim McMullen, McMullen, who's who biggest- looks a lot like Robert Hayes from. Uh, airplane. Oh, really? I was thinking he looked more like the sheriff from Twin Peaks. Uh, but in any <laughs> Eric, case, or was that Eric Duray? I think. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, uh, he's probably best known from his recurring role in Dallas, but he was also in uh, uh, a Cancel Too Soon series you might get to someday called Chopper One, about police who have a helicopter. Uh, all, all right. right. Okay. Fine. Anyway, 
Uh, he plays an agent of Delos who is responsible for stopping Simon Quaid from uh, taking over the world. And what I think is kind of interesting is that he's not working for the government or the CIA mm. or a secret you know, military organization. He's working for a corporation that is trying to save the world. Yeah. And I'm like, that's interesting because it's, if you think about it, the fundamental idea of Westworld was kind of corporate, I, corporate capitalism run amok. Yeah. You yeah. know, like, oh, we didn't have enough that's, regulation that's an, on this thing. That's a good point. And uh, so the I, show is about defending that. I, which is weird. I thought Delos was sort of a, a government sub agency. Like, no, they, they were no. like the, the the android agency within the government. No, no, just, they're, like, they're, they're, like, a, they're like, just a corporation. Like they just CTU, exist to sell they were shit. just sort of, oh, well, all right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an odd okay. reversal. And there's no talk as to sort of like saving the face of the company, Delos. They're just no. sort of out there to do noble things. They're just a benevolent company mm. that happens to make killer robots. So hmm. this. This is a, a very right-wing show, what yeah. you're saying. Basically, okay. <laughs> very, so very corporate forward. Simon Quaid was also, uh, uh, the guy who played Simon Quaid, James Wainwright, was also in a bunch of uh, Cancel Too Soon stuff. The one I kind of want to get to is a series he did called Jigsaw, where yeah. he solves mysteries like jigsaw puzzles. Uh, <laughs> he was, he was also, also in Battle Truck. He was in both, both Battle Truck and Killdozer. If you have a deadly truck in a movie, <laughs> you got James Wainwright and he did you proud. He was in a 1973 movie called The President's Plane is Missing. <laughs> That's actually a very famous TV movie that was a huge ratings bonanza. Yeah. That was a big deal when it came out. No one talks about it now, but it was a big deal. I like big to deal. think that the president is okay, just his plane is gone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for four of the five episodes, uh, John Moore's sidekick uh, is a character named Pamela Williams, played by the great Connie Selica. Mm -hmm. uh, you know Connie Selica from a whole bunch of stuff. She, well, she was in was a in, lot of TV. She was the female lead in The Greatest American Hero. Yes. Uh, if you ever saw that. and That uh, was kind of a big and, deal for a while. And my wife pointed out to me that she was in Hotel. Uh, yeah. The, the long-lived but forgotten soap opera. Yeah, soap, like a primetime soap opera in the 1980s mm. that lasted a long time but no one talks about it anymore. She was also in the TV movie Captain America 2, Death Too Soon. <laughs> and she was in a bunch of uh, Cancel Too Soon series like Flying High, a sitcom about stewardesses, uh, Second Chances, which was a murder mystery that co-starred a young Jennifer Lopez. I remember that one. I don't remember that one. And PSI, Love You. P, P, like, pounds, like pounds per square inch. Like, yeah, like, like air pressure. Or something. Yeah. She played in, in PSI. Love you. Uh, uh, <laughs> Connie Selica played a con woman who helped the police by testifying against some big crime boss, oh, and now God. she's like in witness protection, helping to solve mysteries with her U.S. Marshal caretaker. Oh, when you said and PS they pretend to uh, uh, like be married. When you said PSI, I was hoping there would be like some sort of psychic phenomenon. I like, also thought like, that. Psy Love You would be a fantastic TV show. It sounds fun. That would uh, not last at if all. If anyone can track down PSI Love You, <laughs> oh, we want to review that. That sounds great. Uh, Connie Selica also married to Don Tesh. Previously. John Tesh. What I said I Don. Uh, John Tesh. And, yeah. uh, and uh, the guy who played uh, Buck Rogers. Yeah. Yeah, so Gil, she's Gil Gerard. Yeah, so she's she's had a long and interesting uh, life and career, um, but she replaced uh, uh, an actress who was obviously playing the exact same role with a different character name, mm. uh, played and, by uh, Judith Chapman from As the World Turns and Silk Stockings. They looked so similar. Mm. Now, in when they introduce Connie Selica's character in mm -hmm. the second episode. Uh, clearly, they're, they've changed the history. The character looks different. Mm -hmm. she, uh, they had, she hasn't seen John Moore in a long seen, while. They, they had an affair, maybe, in the past. Mm -hmm. And I thought that it was the same actress. Mm -hmm. And they just recast her as a new character. No. Different, Ka different Ka character like, like, altogether. Yeah, so a different actress they altogether. They replaced the but... lead of the show with a younger model in episode 
two, and it's well, kind that, of insulting. That that, that happens. happens. You look a lot. at like like Babylon Five; they switched a couple characters. Oh, uh, uh, that's sh- even Star Trek; they switched a couple of characters. That show Constantine, know. which a lot of people want us to cover, and we'll probably oh. get to eventually. Um, the second lead on that show was an actress who was replaced by a different character and actress mm-hmm. in episode two. Um, yeah, or so these things happen. There, there was even the joke about that in The Simpsons, where there was that really cool, suave Homer Simpson cop. And oh that's yeah, the end of that chapter, and then they replace him with like some bumbling comedy sidekick character. No, no, it was the same character. Yeah. They just or changed the, same the way the character yeah. worked, and they yeah switched actors on us. So yeah, uh, yeah, that, that's common practice. It's common I, practice. I it's no just problem. weird. I have no problem with them replacing it with a hot model. It's just um, it's it just he seems like maybe five years younger. Like it just doesn't seem like yeah. that big. It, it struck me as a little sexist they're, and weird. But maybe the actress was unavailable after the pilot. It, it shit happens. They're both pretty blue eyed brunettes, yeah. and so they they, they kind of. In terms of visual and like character structure, they kind of fulfill the same function. All right, let's talk about the first episode. So the first episode is Westworld Destroyed, and in this episode, Simon Quaid uh, proves what a villain he's going to be. He has infiltrated a nuclear submarine. Someone uh, uh, among the crew uh-huh. on a nuclear submarine, an American nuclear submarine, is a robot, and they're going to try to take it over, steal the nuclear weapons. Simon Quaid will become a nuclear power. Mm. That's a that is an evil supervillain thing to do, and uh, he and he lays out his his entire motivation in this episode, where he in one scene where he captures the good guy, uh, says that he does want to rule the world. That's his stated goal. Yeah, and he doesn't. He, however, doesn't want to be a figurehead. He doesn't want to be a president. He doesn't want to be a dictator. He just wants to control everything. So yeah. uh, he he's not which makes sense. He makes he, robots. He obviously has a god complex, you know, like right. But he 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 wants to be kind of unseen. He wants to be the pup, <laughs> he wants to be the puppet master. Not that everyone uh, who makes robots has a god complex, but it makes sense that a bad guy who makes robots would. Well, yeah, that's all. I yeah, mean. for sure. If you make robots, so, I apologize. I, I I admire that he's not a Lex Luthor. You know, he's not trying. To, he's not doing this out of ego. Mm-hmm. Well, or, or, well, he is. Or, uh, there's ego involved. He, he's not doing it for fame. He's, yeah. he's not doing he it for recognition. He doesn't want to be gone. He doesn't want to go down in history. He understands the practical applications of power. And I like that. He calls Mussolini an egoholic. Yeah. Which yeah. is an odd <laughs> thing to say, but it makes sense. Oh. I buy it. You could um, say that about certain other world leaders that are so, operating right now. So in this episode, John Moore and his one episode only uh, female sidekick, Laura Garvey, um, they're, they're on the submarine and they keep like, they keep looking at all the people in the submarine trying to say like, oh, that guy seems pretty strong. He might be a robot. Yeah. Oh. yeah. They, they behave suspiciously until yeah. their, their theory is not. Pre- it's kind of like in Baffled where they're investigating each person like one by one. And it turns out they're all completely benign. Yeah. And in fact, uh, uh, one of the actors in this episode uh, was actually the if you saw Blade Runner, mm-hmm. the opening scene of Blade Runner uh, is an actor named Morgan Paul. Uh, he's the one who, who's giving the the replicant a test to see if he's human. Okay. And then he dies in the beginning of Blade Runner. So he's one of All the characters right. on this show who mm. they think might be a robot who's so realistic they can't tell if it's human. So, 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 it's, so was, it's a fun bit of synergy. He was, was going to go on to do yeah. Blade Runner. It was like his fun. next project, too. So it's kind of a fun little little thing. You think he probably looked at Blade Runner and was like, oh, I know it's a feature film, but it's just more robots. Or Do I really want to do that? Yeah. Yeah, Beyond Restworld, that's that's where I want to be. Yeah, no, that's the dream. That's the one that's going to be that remembered. Was, that that was the plan. Like that yeah. was eh, sad. <laughs> so um, I like watching. I like Beyond Westworld better than Blade Runner. But uh, oh, shut your mouth! Uh, well, I, I just really hate Blade Runner. You also like all. cheesy stuff. So <laughs> I like cheesy stuff too, but I also like uh, good stuff. 
Um, so they're investigating the submarine. Uh, Quaid kidnaps John Moore, gives him his big supervillain speech, and then he tries to feed John Moore to a robot rattlesnake mm. that, like, rockets across the room like it's got a coiled spring in it. Well, the, I'm not sure if... Now, the, the effect is so bad on that snake... It looks so stupid. ...that, that I'm not sure if... <laughs> The intention was to make the snake look like it was, you know, snatching like a snake does, like mm-hmm. actually lunging forward, or if it was sort of rocket powered and was like sh- firing at him like a missile. It's a robot snake. It's, I assume it's it a was robot like supposed snake, to be a superpowered so, robot snake. So it's a superpowered robot snake that like jets into the wall and our hero barely twists aside before yeah. it hit, you know, hits the wall behind yeah, him. Because it breaks the wall when it jumps into the wall. Uh, it's clearly a superpowered robot snake. It's a superpowered robot snake, which superpowered he, robot snake. Which is a, a failed new wave band. Uh, <laughs> and he ends up grabbing it by the neck and shoving it in a light socket, which I think is great. That's pretty fun. Uh, I'm, I, I guess really idea... hope the skin on that robot was like rubberized yeah. or, or not con- conductive in any way. I, the thing that weirds me out is, so the idea is, you know, we're going to make this like fake snake. It'll, we know it'll bite him mm. and everyone will think, oh, they, he, they, he died they, of a rattlesnake bite. And they put real rattlesnake venom yeah. in it. So, okay, yeah. I, I kind of see where you're getting at, but here's the deal. Um... He said he was going to an office. He was coming right back because the submarine was going to like leave without him. So he only had like a couple hours. So they kidnap him. They take him to a desert. He gets bitten by a rattlesnake. So like, oh, he died of natural causes. Oh, what happened? Well, you know when he said he was going to go to an office building and then right back for an hour? <laughs> Actually, he, he drove out to the middle of the desert into a cabin uh, and got bitten by a rattlesnake. When he was tied to a chair. <laughs> oh, well, we don't need to investigate at all. I mean, yeah, that's, that's just open and shut, that's right? That's not I mean, at all that's... suspicious. So it turns out that mm. the person who the person who's a robot isn't the person who's like, oh, we have to follow protocol all the time, blah, 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 blah. It was actually the really sensitive captain. Mm. So they stop him. There's a cool yeah, bit where, that, like, they, they, like... Um, they spray, spray him with foam. It's it's a fi- yeah. They spray a fire extinguisher on him, and his eyes are kind of malfunctioning. So, so they, he pulls out his pulls eyes. And eyes so, and he starts attacking. Well, That's kind of cool. It's it's. I'm not sure how cool that is because you know it's it's cool. Like he pulls his eyes out, and we right. realize it's monstery robot-y guy. But his face is covered with that foam. But the, it's clearly not. A fire extinguisher foam. It's like shaving cream. It's, it looks or like something. shave cream. Yeah. So it looks like a guy with robot eyes and shave cream all over his face is coming after you. You don't think that's cool? I think that's fun. I, I'm not sure how scary that is. It's kind of kind of it's kind of goofy. I want to dip a strawberry in his face. <laughs> Hang on a second. Mm, good. Okay, now attack me. Yeah, yeah. Well, what, there's this weird conceit that they introduce because like the first half of the first episode is like them just explaining the premise for people who at home who never saw Westworld. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and also by the way they show all these previews. I'm trying to remember if we mentioned it here just on the Facebook live video um that uh cassandra peterson elvira was a mm. was a dancing girl in westworld yeah and we see her she, in the credits of every sequence as like this cowboy character who's mm. shooting people and it's really cool <laughs> um so they go to westworld they find out like what went wrong and everything like that a lot of exposition then they start like picking apart all the robots and there's this one woman who like opens up her jacket and there's a whole bunch of diodes and everything mm. in there and uh, john moore classy john moore the character <laughs> says uh, i always wondered what made women tick and he's no. gonna punch him just punch Pi- pilots have a weird habit of doing that like they yeah. they go for the kind of sexist. Well, just going for the broad joke when they don't need to. Yeah. Like, like trying to really put a button on how curious this is because they have to present it for the first time. Right. They have to kind of highlight it, showcase it. They have to acknowledge that someone might think it's pretty implausible. And the characters all have to yeah sort of react as if they're seeing it for the first time, and they always throw in some sort of really inappropriate broad joke to, to yeah. sort of cover that up. So one of the things uh, I, I can't think of other examples right now, but it's something that I. I 
seem to have encountered a lot. There's a, uh, so when they're visiting Westworld, Simon mm. Quaid decides to hack into one of the robots and have it attack him, and they end up killing the robot by, like, dunking it in water. Mm. And so John Moore makes sense, like, oh, oh, so uh, the, the robot's weakness is water. We gotta, like, spray him with water and they'll, they'll malfunction. And then they say, uh, oh, no, 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 every robot has a completely different weakness. Some mm. are vulnerable to fire. Some are vulnerable to water. Some are yeah. vulnerable to cold. And, and, and that, it's just that's, like, that's, that's why, stupid. That's why the villain kidnapped the good guy. He, he managed to find the weakness of one particular robot, and the bad guy thought that he had some, pri- well, like, was privy to some information, when it yeah. turns out he was just lucky. He just got lucky. But, like, why would you make that? We're going to yeah. make these, like, robots that are indistinguishable <laughs> well, you know from human beings. They have the capacity to do you, harm. And we're going to make sure that their, like, weaknesses are randomized? Well, you know, you talked about sort of the video gameization of what Westworld was trying to do. That's that's a common conceit in video games where you uh, one certain weapon works on one certain bad guy. It's the Mega Man principle. It's, but it's the difference between one bad guy and mm. one type of bad guy. Mm. You know, you go to the lava level, water will do it. You right. know, like, but this, they're all on the lava level. They're all the same robots, basically. <laughs> it just seems unnecessarily dangerous to me. Yeah, they're, um, they're randomly loaded. It's a little game I play. So after the first episode in which Simon Quaid uh, nearly takes over a nuclear submarine and becomes a nuclear superpower that could take over the world, uh, in episode two, my brother's keeper, he uh, tries to take over a football team. Yeah, isn't that great? We were out of ideas uh, already. Uh, well, so par- part of what he wants to do is take over industry, and yeah. that's where this f- the series starts to falter. We have a super villain who wants to rule the world. Okay, he's got robots, high tech robots. He has high tech robots. robots. You would think there would be a lot more James Bondy stuff, doomsday machines taking over governments, manipulating mm-hmm. uh, bigger things, serious spy shit. Yeah. Uh, instead, he wants to take over small industry after small industry, and the company he wants to go after in this one is the oil industry. Now, this was the nineteen or nineteen eighty. Uh, big oil crisis, big oil crisis mm-hmm. solved. I'm not sure if you knew about sort of the gas rationing that was going on uh, all throughout that time, but uh, he wants to take over this oil company by getting to the personal lives of the people who own it. So there's yeah. two brothers who own it. He's trying to do a deal with one, but he needs well, uh, deals with both. And well, okay, here's what deal, happens. Uh, they both There's these two brothers. They both inherited the company. Mm. One of them has uh, uh, like the majority of the shares. He actually runs it. The other one has like 40%, and the one who has less of the company has a gambling problem. Mm. So Simon Quaid buys up all the guy's gambling debt and said, I'll, I'll let you have it if you sign over all your shares to me. And he's like, well, fuck it. My brother owns it anyway. I don't care. That sounds mm. fine. And then it turns out the plan is to kill the brother. And get so, the rest of the shares. And get, and get all the Simon. Yeah. And so it, it blah, 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 blah. But the brother also has a football team, uh, and he's going to... Try to kill him by infiltrating the football team and having one of the members of the football team throw a football at him so hard he dies. <laughs> Which is, that's a plot point out of a Naked Gun movie. Yeah, that's a stupid yeah, um, idea. Now, again, you have robots. You do have robots. And I understand that throwing a football at somebody so hard that they die is something most people can't do. So yeah. it's using a robot to kill somebody that way. Okay, it's stupid, but at least you're using your robot. To do it. <laughs> but you have robots. Don't they have, like, super vision or super yeah. strength or never, like, weapons? They never, you know? like, pop off their hand and have a flamethrower yeah, in their stump yeah, yeah. or anything. Like, something cool. I, like, want, I want something more robot-y than yeah. chucking a football real hard. It's real, real weird. And they even and do... there's even a subplot in that one mm-hmm. where it's announced that 
uh, Quaid can make robots like within a couple hours. Pretty he easily, got, if like he, wants he, he to, meets yeah. out. He meets one of his assistants who, who is a robot, this regular character, mm-hmm. and uh, he says, "Hey, I want a robot of the female lead of the show, Connie Selica. Connie yeah. Selica. How long is that going to take?" He's like, and she's, a half she's a like day. A, a Connie Selica robot, in, like nine hours. Yeah, it's like, oh well, that that introduces a weird threat, and she yeah. they make it. Mm-hmm. She. Takes, tries to kill John Moore. Kill she John dies Moore. in the process. But it, it happens so quickly. She confronts well, Johnny uh, with Connie Selica, goes after John Moore, falls off a ledge, and that's it. And we don't. He doesn't do that ever again to try to replace people has, robots on a regular basis. He has a template for. He has like the creepy crawlers waxwork thing to make more <laughs> Connie Selicas. Why doesn't he do that every episode and just constantly replace now, Connie Selica with a robot? It's not said, but I think he does have a finite number of robots. No, they say he has 200. 200, okay. He has so 200 robots. He doesn't do it every episode because he doesn't want to screw it, like, blow through his stock. It just seems to me that you would want to, you know, pick your battles on this one, uh-huh. and then, like, infiltrating your arch nemesis's organization would be a top priority. You'd think that's all he would be doing. <coughs> or, or he has a president robot, just in case. Yeah, like, well, we get to that in episode five a little bit. Bit, well, but like a little bit. The uh, uh, so Connie Selica also uh, she works at the same company. She works in security, mm. um, and they they go to the football thing, and she decides to infiltrate the football team by being a cheerleader. Mm. And I'm like, first off, are, she's not that good a cheerleader. I don't buy that she made the team. <laughs> Secondly, she's got these like thigh high socks mm. that are like the 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 flag of Belgium. It's like yeah, they're like it's, it's orange the and black, it's, and it's ye- yellow, orange, and black. <laughs> it's really weird. She looks great in them. Well, no I mean, denying it. She looks great. But, she, like, it's well, really he, weird look. She, she's a really lovely lady. She's, like, strikingly lovely. Like, oh, yeah. She, she, like... Distractingly attractive. And, and yeah. she's the one who has to go undercover a lot. And when you look like that, that's not a good way to go undercover. It's hard to, like, blend in. Yeah, no. When you're incredibly gorgeous and wearing thigh-high Belgium socks. Yeah, now, Jim Mc, McMullen is... Mm, the actor who plays John Moore, the, yeah. Who plays... John Moore is kind of a nondescript-looking guy. Like, yeah, really like, generic, like, could be anybody. Could, like, he, he at least has the kind of face that could be disguised. Yeah. He's a good-looking guy, but he's not, like, Brad Pitt. Like, he's right. just this normally good-looking dude. Or, or, like, Steve Buscemi has, like, really striking features. Yeah, he, he's he, middle of the road. He's, he's an average-looking guy, and... Yeah. You would think they would need him to go undercover, but no, they used Connie Selica, who looks like Connie Selica, mm-hmm. to go undercover. And I don't buy even when she puts on a wig. It's like, oh look, it's Connie Selica in a wig. There's they keep no, it's no. There keeps being this this bit, and I wish they'd explored it more. This kind of the idea of this constant paranoia that mm. you never know who among you is going to be a robot. So everyone's sort of hyper aware of everything that's a little bit off about people. There's a bit in this episode where um, Connie Selica's cheerleading instructor is this. Kind of gay guy, and uh, they don't really go into it in too much detail, but that's mm. the implication. Uh, and there's a bit where John Moore is looking at him, and it's just like he's too good a dancer. <laughs> he's probably a robot. Well, and you knew who the robot was because the camera would zoom in on their eyes. That, yeah. was, that was the trick of the show. And then we'd see, we would always cut to the big reveal was when we cut to the robot vision. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the robot vision for a second, please. Uh, the robots. <sighs> That was the reveal in every episode. There was always one secret robot in every episode, and the big reveal was we saw their point of view, and they had uh, sort of a red filter 
uh, sort of concentric digital circles sort of zooming in on whatever they were looking at. Yeah. And, and uh, just a screen full of random numbers. Yeah. And like the Matrix, but it's red. Kind in in of, yeah. order to highlight that these people are robots, if that visual wasn't enough, we also had to have sort of like a robot sound effect in the background. So there's this mm-hmm. kind of mechanical grinding noise. Uh, I'm old enough to know what that mechanical grinding noise was. It was simply a dot matrix printer working. Yeah, it was really it was loud, like, like, very mechanical sounding. It was, it was, yeah, people printing out pages of something, and they just use that. Do they have dot matrix printers in their heads? It sounds so... Well, they kind of do, because... What happens is when the Connie Selica bot like falls off a building, mm. she falls onto like a grandstand or whatever, like our bandstand or whatever, mm. and we see her, her the the robot fall. It's not Connie Selica anymore. It's like mm. a m- dummy or some kind. Uh, and the 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 robot's boobs explode into magnetic tape. Yeah, they're full of magnetic tape. Yeah, like all of these like robots are being programmed with magnetic tape, which is what we had back then. Mm. A punch card robot would be way too big. Like it just <laughs> it'd just be like this fifty foot tall robot. It'd be kind of cool, but not very practical. I, I imagine like just a big square guy trying to pass his regular. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm just here to work in the office. <laughs> Why are you eight feet wide? <laughs> I was sick. You know, just... <laughs> sounds like a Monty Python review. Yeah. <laughs> oh, crap. My punch card. I mean, my credit card. Anyway, so they foil the plot to kill the billionaire. But what's weird is that they foil the plot to kill him. They stop the robot. The robot had, like, infiltrated, like, the quarterback or something. Mm. Um, and then it's like, oh, thank God that's over. And I'm like, wait a minute. There is nothing stopping Simon Quaid from killing that guy again, or trying to kill that guy again. He still has the shares. He still has all the shares. Like nothing's actually been resolved. Mm. You just stopped that one murder attempt. <laughs> Simon Quaid could come back next week and just trip him and like push him in front of a subway, no. and he still wins. Like you haven't resolved <laughs> the fundamental issue, which is a weird, mm. weird, dumb thing. Yeah. Episode three, the final episode to air. Yeah, this is the last uh, was, episode before it got canceled. It was Sound of Terror, and it was directed by Paul Stanley, but sadly it's not that Paul Stanley. Actually, that's some good uh, directors on the show. The first episode was directed by Ted Post. Who did uh, uh, Hang Him High. Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, he, but he also did the great uh, Clint Eastwood Western Hang Him High and mm. the rock-solid, dirty, hairy sequel Magnum Force. Magnum like, he's Force a good director. Okay, yeah, yeah uh, he's a good director. But yeah, uh, Quaid has infiltrated... A nuclear power plant to get his hands on some uranium so he can make a bomb. No, he hasn't. He has infiltrated a rock band that is playing a, a well, gig was, at a I nuclear was, power plant. I was getting to that. Okay. The means by which he did this, yes. like he didn't go in and grab it himself. He got a robot to do it. Now, how did he get a some... robot to do it? Did he infect one of the employees of the nuclear power power plant? No. <laughs> That would that's too easy and that, too much fun. That would have been practical. Uh, <laughs> instead, he manages to get a hold of a rock band that is touring that facility. What's and, the name of the rock band? Uh, Ruth and Power. Power and Ruth. Oh, it's Power and Ruth. Yeah, like Power and Truth, but Power and Ruth. Power, and those are the names of the front people of the band. Yeah. Ruth is played by Ronnie Blakely. You may, you'll mo- recognize her as the mom from Nightmare on Elm Street 1. Uh, and she she's got, has a long, varied career. Yeah. Uh, and Power was played by René Aubergenois. Uh, you might know him from Star Trek Deep Space Nine or a myriad other things. Yeah, he was in MASH, the original movie. Mm. Like, he's got a great, long career. He's got a, a really... He played... Uh, he, Something everybody has seen is the Little Mermaid, oh, and yeah. he played the uh, f- the evil French chef in the Little Mermaid. Les yeah. poissons, that les was... poissons, yee 
<laughs> that was him. He that played, was Renee Auberjonois. He played a no- notable voice in The Last Unicorn. He's been around. Oh, yeah. And uh, he, here he is in his most 70s-tastic. He's got the feathered hair and the leather yeah. jacket and the low-cut chest showing off. And thing. this, like, fakey kind of, like, mm. deserted island beard that's kind of hot. And uh, D- Delos gets word that this band has been infiltrated, so now they have mm. to investigate the band. Now, And the band is, like, kind of politically inclined. They're, like, doing, like, a protest against pro- nuclear power. Yeah, like, they're doing yeah. a concert in front of the nuclear power plant mm. to try to, like, raise awareness of the dangers of nuclear power. Uh, the, the way this show goes is... We don't know who the robot is at the beginning of the episode, and we always suspect it's going to be one of the characters we're following until it isn't. It's usually until like, it is, you know, or, yeah. or maybe there's a double back. It's but yeah. usually like the fifth most interesting person <laughs> in in the episode. Yeah. So when when they panned up and showed who the robot actually was in this episode, it's like, oh, it, oh, so what? <laughs> I wasn't following that character at all. I don't care. Um, a lot uh, of the great there's a lot of great character names in this episode. You mentioned mm-hmm. that uh, Renee Bourgeois is power. Yeah. Uh, but also Dirk Blocker is Mace. Is one <laughs> Dirk, of like the open Dirk Blocker. Is all Mace. of those names sound like gay porn stars. It's great. Or but Dirk, Dirk Blocker is actually like uh, uh, on one of the leads on Brooklyn Nine Nine right now. Okay. Which is a great, really funny show. Like, I, I said, it's weird seeing him. He when, plays uh, Hitchcock, I think. When I was watching this episode, I took a picture on my phone of Rene Aubergenois' credit because it says, special guest star Rene Aubergenois as power. <laughs> and, and it's just in front of, like, this nuclear tower. Yeah. And I, I tweeted that, and Rene Aubergenois responded yeah. to my tweet saying, wow, what was that? <laughs> he said he vaguely remembers that. I, I vaguely when you was... do as much acting as Rene Aubergeois yeah. does, you don't remember power. Well, you don't, <laughs> you don't remember Beyond Westworld. Yeah, it's <laughs> Probably just, not. It's like, oh yeah, I, I did that one week. So I said, yeah, that was that was Beyond Westworld. I didn't hear a peep from him after that. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. it's probably, yeah, that was a job I had. It was really weird. Anyway, so in the episode, uh, Connie Selica and John Moore they go uh, uh, they go undercover as like working for the band. Like he's like their yeah, new PR guy. Yeah, they're not 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 roadies, which would have been more fun. But yeah, what's really kind of interesting about this episode for me, beyond the fact that this is a stupid idea, uh, <laughs> is that it, they actually spend a good deal of time, in, like the first half of the episode, letting Power and Ruth play. And here's the deal: they're not bad. They're not bad. It's actually like you'd think like a fake band in like a 1980 television series would have just be like just totally shitty. Like they'd be kind of making fun of it. They're pretty good, actually. Like I'd actually uh, buy them being a semi-successful band in 1980. But that's not the sound of a protest band. No. Uh, It's it's just sort of power pop, the kind of bland power pop for 1980. But But it's pretty good power pop. I'll give them that. Like I've heard a lot of shitty music Mm -hmm. from like... Anytime I, I, I was well, like anytime you see a movie and like someone's supposed to be like in a hit band, mm-hmm. if their music doesn't sound like it could be hit music, you it, you takes you out of the story. Here I'm like, no, I buy, I buy Power and I, Ruth had a brief like a brief popular spell in March of 1980. Like I buy that. I, I was wondering, you know, we were looking at at Power and Ruth, and I'm wondering if they the producers of the show had approached an actual band, mm. so like somebody who was just coming up in 1980 mm-hmm. to to be in this, like, hey. Fred Schneider, frontman of the B-52s, you want to be in this in this TV show? And, like, all of the, the real bands said no. It's like, yeah. where's Funboy 3 at this point? I don't know. But uh, <laughs> it would have been great if had they gotten some real sort of off-the-beaten-path off band right. and the band members played these characters. They would have been terrible because most, most people who play in bands are also not actors. Yeah. 
Instead, they hired actors, and that's fine. But I, I just there was an opportunity here to really delve into some yeah. back corner of some unknown yeah. 1980s. Ladies and gentlemen, band. the Loving Spoonful. Like just some. Other... <laughs> I'm not sure about the Loving Spoonful, but yeah, some yeah. some post punk pro- project that like, was could going have been a real. Bad. It might have been like you know like, like we had Fee a... Way Bill from the Tubes shows up. He's, we... He he did, ladies and gentlemen, the Fabulous Saints. When we reviewed uh, uh, Birds of Prey, there was uh-huh. that weird thing where the opening credits music was unavailable on home video, so they. Had this kind of awful, bland, like early two thousand girl pop, kind of, yeah. like you know, just soulful, mm. lame music. I've heard worse, but it's just so generic. Who cares? And we couldn't figure out who the hell did that song. And it turns out, <laughs> near as we can tell, they just it was just some studio band. Yeah, I guess they just yeah. have those. So the studio band wasn't bad in 1980, I guess, there is the go. idea. CBS's so studio got, band it's, didn't it's, suck. It's the Wrecking Crew. They got the Wrecking Crew there to do go. it. Uh, so, and with episode three, Beyond Westworld was off the air. There were two episodes that didn't air, but again, bless the Warner Archive, they put them all out. Episode four, which didn't air. Again, small potatoes for a supervillain. <laughs> very small potatoes. In episode four, The Lion, mm. uh, Simon Quaid has decided to infiltrate a NASCAR tournament where uh, uh, a certain corporation is building a new car, like a super fast car. Uh, I, the, the, an- the analogy Angie and I came up with, uh, my wife, uh, was that this is Tesla. Like, this is some yeah. some gigantic new upstart that isn't a huge company yet, but has a lot of attention and will change the industry. Well, what they mentioned is that Simon Quaid has been infiltrating and sort of making deals with various oil-rich countries. Mm. So the idea of this well, supercar... It's, it, it's revealed in this episode oh, yeah. that he's doing that. Yeah, yeah. And the idea is that this supercar is, like, so fuel-efficient or something mm. that it will wean us off of oil. Therefore, his investments will be less useful. Mm. It's kind of like the opposite of Goldfinger, yeah, you know, yeah, where yeah. he's trying to up- raise the value of something mm. rather than default. Or actually, it's the plot of Cars 2. It's the, the exact plot That's of actually, Cars It is the exact plot of Cars 2. Um, Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's really, really weird. Um, but it's weird, though, because you said that this show is about a, a benevolent corporation, but the bad guy is still doing the evil corporate stuff. But he's doing this evil corporate stuff uh, outside of a corporate environment, what is he trying to do? He is trying to take down the Delos Corporation. The Delos Corporation is trying to protect the world from this horrible individualist who's trying okay. to use this technology for what he thinks is morally right. He's wrong, but like that's the mm. idea here. And then here he's trying to take down this corporation that's trying this this helpful, wonderful corporation uh. that's going to wean the world off of oil. Hooray! <laughs> I buy that. Yeah, you know what? I, 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 I'm, it's I'm, seeing, weird. I'm seeing it more and more, this this pro-corporate message that's going on. It's, and it's, and it's, I don't world. think it's terribly well-defined. I'm sure the, I'd be surprised if it was any sort of mission statement. Mm. It's just sort of this natural extension of how they decided to frame the show. And it's kind of odd, and it makes the characters seem less altruistic. Makes mm. them seem less heroic. It makes them seem a lot more... Uh, like cogs in a machine well, and imagine, it's harder to really root for them. Imagine if James Bond was working for Kraft Foods. Or, yeah, it doesn't or, really work, does yeah, it? Like, or, I, I suppose or, they or might... Conagra. Or, they might they, have one, but yeah, like... Dow I, Chemical or something. I can't really imagine that series. Well, there there was a spy movie uh, about corporate spies. But a couple, actually, um, yeah. Just recently, it had a... a Julia Roberts and uh, oh Clive Owen, Clive Owen. That yeah, one. it was the one about stealing like a hair formula from right, Paul G. right. Well, it was, about, it was terrible. It was about ex. Well, the, the point was it was about ex spies who used Dude. to work for the government who now had to work for corporate America. Great idea, because, bad movie. Uh, 
not not well executed. I'm gonna look at the name of that movie. Yeah, totally, to it, and it, it had some really vague title like the agency or something. Yeah, some uh, generic. But yeah, in the current environment, you know, post Cold War, it makes a lot of sense to have that because what are spies going to do now? Well, corporations now rule the world. But this was 1980. This was Reagan's America, and I guess that is kind of the extension that. Is coming from Ronald Reagan, which was very, he had very laissez-faire capitalism. The name was, of the movie was Duplicity. Du, that's right, Duplicity. Yeah. How could I forget such could a be memorable Could be anything. Title? You could name almost any uh, movie Duplicity and get away with it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think, I think this is extending from where the country was financially. It was just coming off of a really horrible recession. The 70s were a crappy time for everybody, mm-hmm. unless you're a filmmaker. And, uh, we're in this place now where corporations are allowed to breathe again, thanks to what all the deregulation that Reagan was doing. We're about to see the rise of the yuppie. Yeah, the yuppie was ju- just on the horizon. And here we have the heroic yuppies, basically, in some regards. So, yeah, I'm guessing this is just kind of kind of a relief for audiences, where corporations were previously these horrible things. Now they're finally getting back on track and helping the world. Uh, in the modern era, that seems really, really backward, doesn't it? <laughs> it's just really odd. Like, it's an odd mentality. Right. It's like, it's fine, I guess. It's just weird if you think about it. Mm. So this episode, again, he's trying to... Uh, inf- what Someone working for this company uh, is a robot. Uh, they have blown up a car. The guy who invented the car is now a paraplegic. Mm. And there's this whole long I'm bit where he's in why, a hospital. Why was why was our hero there? He knew them. He was actually he a, was friend. Just a friend of theirs? Yeah, co- you can't have a coincidence on this show. All right. It doesn't work. So he just happened to be a friend of this family. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure like if he was already infiltrating or why. Happened why he was to be a friend the of the beginning. family. All right, okay. really weird. And then by coincidence, his arch-villain nemesis happened to be singling. Whatever. Yeah. Um, anyway, the guy who created the car, he was driving the car. They were testing it. It exploded. He's a paraplegic, but like for like ten minutes, it feels like he's in bed at the hospital, and they're doing that serious dramatic stuff. Oh my god, he's he's paralyzed. Mm. His life is over. His wife is telling him everything's going to be okay. He doesn't but believe he's, her. He's really depressed, and like he keeps talking about how his life is over. Nothing matters anymore. And then all of a sudden, he moves his arms, and I'm like, whoa! I thought he was quadriplegic. No, they said paraplegic. I only heard I, but they, they said, acted they like said he was the phrase qu- paralyzed from the waist down. I you missed know, that. It just right. they played it like he was quadriplegic, and it seems so right. much. I mean, don't get me wrong, paraplegic is, is, is serious business. <laughs> but when, like, it's compared to quadriplegic, it's like, okay, quadriplegic does seem worse, doesn't it? Well, you know, like, I, I, and I was like, oh, thank God, he's only paraplegic. He's I'd rather, be okay. rather have two limbs than none. Exactly. There, that's my philosophy, too. But in any case, it was an odd bit of storytelling and that mm. they sort of made it look like he was quadriplegic, even though he wasn't. Mm. So, you know, the whole thing is, oh, we got to get this car off the ground and everything like that. Uh, none of the uh, drivers are good enough to do it, even the guy's wife. It makes it seem like, oh, the wife is going to be like the savior. She's going to drive the car. And then they go to this whole business about how, God, how do you tell a liberated woman she's not good enough to do stuff? Mm-hmm. And John Moore is like, right? <laughs> and you're just uh, punch. First of all, in 1980, it's you can't use the women's lib joke in 1980. It's not going to work anymore. Yeah, it's that's, just that's called like, equality at that point. It's or just, it should be anyway. It's just called humanity. You know, it, yeah. it doesn't... It's called not being an asshole. <laughs> That's what that is. It's, Feminism is about not being an asshole to people. And it, it, the, the, the 
calling it the women's lib movement in 1980 was so backward. Yeah. It, it's, it was well beyond that. We don't need to refer to it as women's, well, it's not, women's lib. That not, language was just already dead. Not to get too far down that rabbit hole, but to look at it today, when people say something like, oh, you want to be politically correct. Being politically correct is called not being an asshole. <laughs> That's it's it. It's called being considerate. Yeah, it's to, called to, not being a jerk. That's yeah. all it is. That's all it is. Well, how do I refer to trans people? How do you talk to them and ask how you want, want they want to yeah. be referred why to? Do, why does yeah, it's not your choice to make it, dick. All right, anyway. So, there's a big racetrack thingy. The, oh, the villain's, uh, Simon Quaid's secret lair in this episode is a bus in the middle of, a, like, a vacant lot. It, it, it's like the, it's kind of like the trailer in Knight Rider. Like, it's just this big trail, like, truck trailer that's not yeah. attached to a truck, but it's full of, like, posh stuff. Yeah. In fact, I love the interiors in this show. Mm -hmm. uh, the, they feel the, really 70s, don't they? They're incredibly 70s. There's a lot of shag carpeting. <laughs> There's a lot of beige There's, and yeah, brown. A lot, a, lot, a lot, yeah, a lot of cream colors and rounded <laughs> edges. The, uh, the Delos headquarters, like, they have these computer consoles, but they're all paneled in, like, this oak finish, and everything looks really like rumpus room. Like, I, I want to go to that computer lab, play a little game, have a cup of coffee, maybe yeah. a shot of whiskey, and just... Relax by reading some Boswell. You want you want no, yeah you want to read an, you want to read an old spy novel while listening to a Victrola. Like that's what that's the dream. No like no it's seventies like, hi fi. It's oh, like it's, it's really kind of yeah. I'm gonna but, listen to my like, Led Zeppelin eight track. Perfect. There you go. That th these are the these are all the rooms. I wanted to go into all of these rooms. I don't care what's happening in them. I just but it's love just the so weird that design. they mentioned like he controls multiple oil rich countries mm. and he has a bus. Well, uh, that's but that's very in keeping with the character. He's very uh, he's a supervillain, but he's a modest supervillain, and I and I like that he's a modest supervillain. But you notice he always has a lackey he can brag to, uh, played by the professor from Gilligan's Island. In the last two episodes, his yeah. lackey, who does nothing uh, but listen to this guy, is the professor like, yeah, from like, Gilligan's Island, Russell uh, Johnson. Russell Johnson. Uh, before I, that, I said Williams before it was Russell Johnson. Before, yeah. but before that, for two episodes, his lackey was a guy I couldn't find the actor's name. If you recall the movie Real Genius. At the beginning of the movie Real Genius, classic 1980s comedy, oh, it's oh, about that. this like 14-year-old kid who goes to Caltech to help like build lasers. He's that smart. Oh. And on his first day, he goes to like a, a, a party with the faculty, mm. and there's this uh, fuddy-duddy professor who's like, can I give you some advice? Always? Uh, no, never forget to check your references. <laughs> I think the students like it when I get down with them verbally, don't you? Oh, and that was, that, the, was, that was the chauffeur from that the first was like, couple episodes? Yeah, it was oh, this weird, funny. I couldn't like find the actor's name for the life of me. He's right. just like never done like big stuff, but like, yeah. It's really yeah, funny. He's, he's got two lackeys, he's got like a hot robot female sidekick, and he's got Russell Johnson. Yeah, and it's just, and they're just there to be bragged about. Why do you get Russell, now Russell Johnson, by 1980, he's not like a, he's only known for Gilligan's Island. Mm -hmm. He's been in This Island Earth, he's been in a bunch of movies actually, but he's not a well-known pop culture presence. And by 1980, that was probably the best he could get. But it's for us, it seems like that's kind of a get. Well, if you're going to go to the point of getting somebody who's, re yeah, who's recognizable, like Russell Johnson from yeah. Gilligan's Island, why not have him do more well, than just sort of listen to the bad guy? Again, the show got canceled. Maybe as time went on, there was going to be more to do with him. But like he's just sort of dropped into it out of just with nothing. Mm. And he literally does nothing. He's just there. 
for Simon Quaid. Someone Simon Quaid needs to explain himself to somebody. Yeah. It's like his parrot Iago yeah. from Aladdin. Like the bad guy needs yeah. to talk to someone. Uh, James Wainwright, however, like he has all of the supervillain speeches. Yeah, but he delivers them in such a matter of fact way. I totally buy it. Oh yeah, like, I buy that he believes what he's saying. He believes what he's saying. He know, and it it all seems very practical when he says it. And I mm-hmm. think that's a test of a really great genre actor. If you give them really completely stupid, ridiculous dialogue and they can deliver it totally naturally. Patrick Stewart is a champ at this stuff. Yeah. Ian McKellen is great at that. Yeah, whatever stupid shit you want him to say, they'll yeah. say it and it'll sound great. Yeah, it's, like, it's hard, yeah, it's yeah, hard yeah, to you, do. You, you give them techno babble and they can, they can make it sound like it's just as grave as the show yeah. should make it sound. So uh, basically uh, the show, the episode ends with there's going to be another big race. Uh, the wife can't drive that good enough. Real so the, racetrack out in Rosamond, California. I oh, looked it fun. up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the paraplegic guy, they like rejigger the car so that the paraplegic can drive it again. Oh. And it's this weird kind of message here where it's like half a man is still better than a woman. And I'm like, what? what? What's going on? I don't well, buy he, that. He, he used his, innov- he invented something where he could drive without his feet. So it was about him using his innovation. It's to more get important up, that the yeah. man regain his power than a woman be seen as woman powerful. Prove herself. Yeah. yeah. That bothered me. That was kind of lame, but whatever. It's not the end of the world. It's just lame. And, and the, the robot yeah. they had infiltrate was just some guy. And also some guy who worked on the thing. Some guy who worked on the thing is just some guy off to the side. And there's a, also there was a second robot who was a rival driver just in case there was this weird thing where like oh we we searched the car we there was no bomb and then it turns out that the hood of the car was made of magnesium so when the car got hot the hood would explode and i'm like i don't buy that i'm pretty sure that sounds stupid didn't your science teacher ever burn magnesium no i know magnesium burns i just don't know if i buy that as a scheme it just sounds it sounds like oh my kid had a science class today i learned about magnesium oh yeah that's That's what it feels like it doesn't feel like a real plan it feels like a bullshit movie i I learned about magnesium when i was 12 and yeah the writers clearly there's there's no good point for me to mention this but uh if you ever play if you're watching beyond westworld you want to play a drinking game take a drink anytime someone says they triangulated something (laughs) (laughs) triangulating things is like remember when we reviewed profit and everyone said i'll modem that over to you like it was a real thing people said Mm. triangulation is an actual thing people do based on like you know cell phone towers and radio like they triangulate everything like i half expected them to say oh yeah i triangulated your coffee for you like that's just their buzzword that they think sounds cool and you think anything can be triangulated we we got plenty of buzzwords though like i'll I'll reroute the encryptions is what i'm still hearing oh yeah Um, yeah tons of bullshit like this it sounds good take a picture like take a picture of that and then somebody like pats him on the back enhance that well you can't enhance it we just have a picture <laughs> like we can blow it up a bit but it's gonna be fuzzy like, like, like it's like not an, really gonna enhance it you want me to like take the blemishes off of his face and you know give it over yeah. to the, the the yearbook that it's way? as good as it gets it's a photo okay i'm sorry the lighting <laughs> sucked there's this the worst one of those ever is actually in blade runner mm. where uh uh deckard played by harrison ford he's got a photograph and he's searching this photograph for clues and he's like you know blowing up parts of it to try to look at details in the apartment i'm like mm. okay and then he's like like tells the computer like Zoom in on that, and he zooms in on that, and it's like an open door. Uh-huh. And then he says, "Turn right," yeah. and the it turns right, and you can it's see behind right. the wall. I'm like, "That's not in the no. That's not how photographs. That's never how photographs work. That's never how photographs will work. That's really stupid." 
Unless you have a camera that's like going live through yeah, the place yeah, yeah, at yeah, some if point. Like, if it's you know, like it's, a drone or something, that's fine. But like, it's not it. It's a still photograph. Yeah, that's not over. Terrible. I love that movie, but that part's right. dumb. Uh, Last the, episode. The fifth and final episode, the other one that never aired, at least is also kind of an interesting plot for a supervillain. Yeah, this is a real supervillain plot. He infiltrates the LA police. Cool. Cool. Uh, our hero goes undercover as an internal affairs officer. So all the cops hate him yeah. because uh, a peer of theirs was recently busted by internal affairs. And uh. the only message by internal affairs busting this guy was not the crimes he committed, but how inconvenient it is for the cops and doing their job. Now, yeah, again, like, oh, you want us to give more rights to the scumbags and to the victims. And that's a, that's a mentality that was a concern at the time. Well, because it wasn't until the 70s that Miranda Escobedo rights were written into law. Yeah. Reading someone their rights wasn't a thing yet. Yeah. And a lot if of people... If someone was ignorant of their rights, you could kind of just get away with anything, but and, now you couldn't do that but anymore. But a lot of people were really concerned because they didn't want to be giving rights to the criminals. And, right. Uh, and a lot of people were concerned that the criminals were being overprotected and the cops weren't allowed to be doing their jobs. The entire Dirty Harry yeah. series is all about this. Yeah, that's basically the anxiety of, like, mm. especially the original, the first, like, two. Um, like, really right up there on the nose. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, and this, this was a, a concern. This was a, yeah. a big, big political issue. Uh, conservatives wanted uh, police rights just taken uh, <laughs> criminal rights taken away entirely the police should just be given carte blanche to do whatever they need to of course corruption was rampant we needed that yeah there's a uh, reason why we don't have why uh, we don't want corruption yeah yeah why, why do you think that is because it's corruption yeah uh, yeah uh, pretty so, simple but yeah the politics so, are easy if you really think about it but it, it makes sense <laughs> that the internal affairs agent should be a villain and the the mm. the notes the notion of well, scumbags getting rights and is it actually kind of fits something to be hated it fits the idea of the show a little bit better because the idea is sort of distrust getting away with things mm. infiltrating like a system that's supposed to work one way and then manipulating it for your own mm. ends that makes sense and indeed as the episode goes on we find out that this is actually part of a larger scheme that involves replacing the governor of California mm. with a robot. Cool. Well, but this also introduces a new conceit to the show, which is abandoned by the end of the episode, but uh, where uh, Quaid has invented a computer chip that he can implant under the skin of your scalp and can, like, manipulate your emotions at his behest. And uh, he is able to make people change their minds and make decisions, not by giving them orders, but by making them feel certain ways about stuff. It's actually kind That's of cool. kind of cool. It's actually kind of cool. So the it's idea- a super villain thing. It's a and, great super villain thing. And it's a better way to go about taking over the world than using robots. And it's a real human drama thing, too, because mm-hmm. um, what happens is there's the commissioner of police, mm-hmm. played by an actor named Monty Markham, who you might recall if you watch... Uh, Baywatch, or if you watch the web series Baywatchin, which I highly recommend and I love that show. That's uh, Alison Pregler's show. Right? Yeah, Alison Pregler does a show where she just guides you through every stupid-ass episode of Baywatch, and it's really great. Uh, but uh, there's um, it's like basically lifeguard old man. Mm. His whole thing is he's a lifeguard and he's old. That's his whole <laughs> shebang. That's all he's got. Um, and he's played by Monty Markham. And the commissioner 
is kind of an interesting character because he's actually like, look, I'm not necessarily against the cops, but we have to have rules. We have to do these things by the book. Uh, and he seems like a nice guy. We actually see his home life. We find out that he's trying he and to his adopt wife some children, trying to yeah. adopt some children from like another country, even. Mm. You know, he's trying to like do something kind of benevolent, and they're finally like about to sign the paperwork. And there's this whole scene of Simon Quaid watching this, trying to manipulate his emotions so that he can't bring himself to adopt the kids. Wow. And it's a tragedy. <laughs> it, it's played is a tragedy and it works it's actually a good scene and seeing Quaid react so coldly to all this just sort of highlights his villainy it's a good scene it's a great bit so uh, uh, so all that's going on they're trying to figure out who's doing who who's what a couple of notable uh, guest appearances the robot who puts the chip in the commissioner's head is played by George Takei Mm -hmm. Uh, one uh, of the cops is played again, by... Uh, yeah. This was 1980. George Takei wasn't doing much with his career at this point, but he's a recognizable actor. Yeah. From And by 1980, Star Trek was already a hit in syndication. The movie was coming out. The, yeah, the, the movie was already out. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So he should have had was a, a little He bit. was a get, and they didn't do anything with He's got that. like a scene and a half. Like, yeah. it's really weird. And he has one line of dialogue. One line of dialogue. Really, really weird. It's like, why are you paying for George Takei? I, mean, I don't not, know. He's not a megastar, but he's... he's, he's <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess he was free that week. Yeah. I don't know. Um, this might have been also that time when he wasn't working as much. Like, didn't he like take some time off to like actually work in politics in California? Yeah, I saw actually, that documentary about him. They been, talked about that. He's been doing that actually. He's George Takei is he's, really big on public transportation. Actually, yeah, that's that's his pet cause. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was. I think he had just started doing that, but he's still doing it to this day. Yeah, I just think I think when if memory serves, when I watched that documentary, mm-hmm. um, what was it? I am decay, George. To be decay. To be decay. I was about to say yeah. okay to be decay. Not yeah. not like the most grandly cinematic documentary ever, but if you've ever been interested in George Decay, it's a really fun watch, <laughs> and it's really really informative. And that's like kind of a time period when he was just not acting as much, and he was doing a lot more like you know actual charity work and stuff. So maybe this was I, just a thing he fit in on the side. I heard a really great interview with him about his. His, his sort of poli- his politics, and they asked, you know, you're you're a recognizable Star Trek actor. Did you ever start, try to leverage what fame you had to sort of meet with political officials? And and he said very very frankly, oh, I am shameless. <laughs> so terrific. I love, I love George Decay. He's great. <laughs> also, love that guy. but another uh, odd uh, appearance in this one is an actor who you probably recognize, maybe you don't know his name. His name is Martin Cove. Mm-hmm. Uh, Martin Cove is most famous for playing uh, the leader of the Cobra Kai in the original Karate Kid. He was like the evil instructor <laughs> who said, sweep a leg. Uh, like, that's the guy. Uh, he was also uh, one of the bungling uh, comic relief detectives in Wes Craven's The Last House on the Left. Oh, the, that's right. He was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's just <laughs> sort of interesting. Like, he doesn't pop up often, but whenever he does, I'm like, oh, Marty Cove. That's mm-hmm. kind of fun. Um so, but yeah, that's yeah. that. That's the... people. People learn valuable lessons. There's a fun bit, like where they're constantly trying to find out, like who's a robot, and they're trying to figure out what's the best way to find out someone who's a robot. And the idea is, well, robots probably don't tan. So Connie Selica takes a guy out they think is a robot to like a pool, and he gets a blister because yeah. he's allergic to sunlight. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's just it's like also... oh, we're going to get trying to get a robot a nice tan. Like that's the plot. <laughs> that's a plot point in this episode. And, and yeah, one of them doesn't sweat at the end of the episode, so that's how they find out he's. A robot and yeah. that doesn't make any sense. I didn't really. At the end of a the lot episode, of the plots were kind of hard to follow. Frankly, well, the like rules are inconsistent, yeah. which is one of my problems with that whole like randomized weakness thing. You want some sort of consistent rules mm. so that uh, you maybe you can hint to the audience who's a robot and make and build suspense that way mm. or something, you know. But like it changes every episode, so it doesn't really work. At the end of the episode, uh, it turns out that the guy who was governor or was about to run for run for governor mm. was replaced by a robot. He's 
brought out. The commissioner is uh, going to like do an assassination attempt, mm-hmm. but they manage to stop him. They're... And Simon Quaid decides that the human element of that whole chip technology, the idea that's that someone tough. could have such strong willpower that they override him, means that's not worth pursuing. And from now on, I'm only going to use the robots, which I have never successfully used. <laughs> not and yet, that, anyway. Yeah. And that was the end of Beyond Westworld. Mm-hmm. Uh, was Beyond Westworld canceled too soon? Uh, no, this show was bad. <laughs> oh, it's not I, a bad. It's not a good I, show. Oh, I enjoyed watching it. I think I, I, it's not a bad watch, but like for five episodes. After uh, five episodes, I'm just like they do not have any material here, do they? They did. They didn't have a lot. That's true. Uh, they they could have gone done with. I think kind of a grittier tone. Mm. Um, now well, the, like, like again, it's a show would, about paranoia. It should be about paranoia. Like, actually, like, play it. Like, well, make it uncomfortable. The, the ni- This was 1980, and this was, like, sort of a bad sweet spot for paranoia. Because mm. the Cold War was about to ratchet up, but it had sort of died down after sort of the 1960s James Bond era. So there was no real Cold War paranoia to tap into. Uh the, the the sort of corporate stuff you mentioned was a good angle for it, but it was clearly not something that the show had on its mind. It was just sort of incidental culture leaking into the show. Right. This is a show was, with a lot of interesting no... inherent ideas, but they're trying to wrap it around the most generic version of it possible. Well, my, my point is there, there's no thematic thrust to this show other than it, it starts to feel cynical because the only real thing they have going for it is their tapping into uh, robots and technology and there's no real comment on robots and technology yeah. there's no again that's suspicion of the technology they're inherently just sort interesting of, ideas and they're, they're just all sort ignored. of doing adventure stories with robots in them and even the reveals are presented very clunkily I think if this had been a 30 minute show mm. and they sort of trimmed out a lot of the fat in the human drama it actually made it either a lot more sensational and kid friendly yeah, or they tried to make it a lot more terse and and suspenseful. You know, pushed it to one extreme or the other. It probably would have worked a lot better. But as it is, it's in this weird sort of gray area, and the the showrunners are clearly lost. Mm. And I feel like there was a point where they could have gotten maybe a good full decent season out of this if they had found their way early on. Yeah, but we saw five episodes and they were. J- like Within five episodes, they didn't have a lot of good ideas. Here's yeah. how you fix this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you 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 put it on the back burner for a bit. Wait about 36 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you bring it back with a really great cast, a lot of money. Put it on, like, I don't know, HBO or something. And, like, really, <laughs> like, focus on the experience of the characters uh. and that sort of inherent paranoia and the questions, sci-fi questions that are inherent to the premise. And really just explore the shit out of it. Mm. Oh, wait, they did that. Yeah, it's called Westworld, and it's mm. great. Um, Beyond Westworld, here's, here's what I'm going to say about Beyond Westworld. If you love the new series Westworld, um, I highly recommend you watch the original film, because although it's obviously it's dated, it's of its time, it's mm. very 70s, the visual effects are a bit hokey at times, um, it's well, a they, fun film. Like It's a, a good people, film. People just have like computer motherboards just like mm-hmm. taped to their chest. Yeah. yeah, there's nothing going on. But there. it's fun. It's stylish. It's well-made. It's very focused on what it is. Uh, Future World is kind of an interesting novelty. It doesn't really sing the way it should. It's sequelitis. It's It's just just, continuing on. It's just sort of generic. But, like, it's not bad. And Beyond Westworld is basically, if you're obsessed with Westworld, this is just an odd anecdote. Yeah. It's yeah, worth it's, tracking down if you're big on Westworld and you just kind of want to see how this how, yeah, how the show like they originally thought it would be a good idea to turn it into a show. But it's not a very good show. It's kind of entertaining, but I wouldn't tell anyone you have to see this. Currently it's a footnote. And 
it's going to remain a footnote. Yeah. And I think it should remain a footnote, even if, if it had lasted longer. There's no way this was going to sort of sweep and take the consciousness by storm. No, this was never going to be the Incredible it's, Hulk was, or the A-Team or, or, or something. Or Battlestar Galactica. This, this is well, going to no, stay at, at this very low percolation in terms of pop culture. When you and think about I think shows... that's fine. I think there's a place for it. I think, however, even within that uh, framework... There's still a little bit more I, I wish we could have had out of When this. you think about the shows that did break out in this time period that were very genre-centric, again, mm. you, The A-Team, The Incredible Hulk, mm. uh, or go even further directions, go to Remington Steel, okay. Moonlighting even. It's more yeah. comedic, but it's still you know people getting in adventures. What those shows had mm. that brought people back week after week wasn't the fundamental premise because solving mysteries is not that interesting in a vacuum. Yeah. It had characters at the core who were interesting. And when you put them in any situations, they did interesting things. The X-Files succeeded on this level as well. Mulder and Scully are so well-defined yeah. as characters. And their that, relationship is so interesting. Yeah, they have, they have give and take in their relationship. There's suspense in their relationship. There's will they, won't they. There's mm. a fundamental antagonism because they view the world in a different way. So when you put them in any situation, even the situation is dumb, you're connected to it because you know and you like those characters. Beyond Westworld doesn't have those characters. John Moore has no character. That's true. None He's, whatsoever. Connie Salica you, you has him. a pluckiness that makes her stand out a bit well, more, he, but they they don't have real characters. I'll say this. He he's he's he, he sells himself as sort of this kind of generic action hero, but he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not a young guy. He doesn't have a square jaw, sort of, as we said, kind of average looking. And I admire that sort of 1970s idea that just sort of plain dudes can be heroes. But you want them to uh, have a personality. But yeah, I wish that he and his relationship with uh, Connie Selica, Connie Selica yeah. was... Pamela uh, Williams, I think, was the character name. I Pam, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I wish John's relationship with yeah. Pam... Was like it's introduced that they're ex lovers, and that would have been kind of interesting that mm -hmm. if they had more things to do together. If this was a little bit more like a team rather than one heroic dude, mm. it might have been a lot more interesting. Well, they, they had a character. We didn't talk about ideas. it. They do have this one scientist they work with at Delos, mm. uh, whose name is uh, Joseph Oppenheimer. Get it? Mm -hmm. uh, and he helped create uh, the robots, but. It seems like in the first episode, like he's sort of like the good version of Simon Quaid and that he'll be really, really important. But he's just the exposition guy yeah. after that. He's just the guy who's triangulating things. Like, mm. that's it. It's, yeah. Mm. Anyway, if the show had lasted, I, I, I think the one thing you would need to do if the show had lasted uh -huh. uh, was you would need to get to the point where, much like in Westworld, uh, the robots started going haywire on Simon Quaid. Mm. And he couldn't trust them anymore. Maybe they started acting more human. And that might have been kind of interesting to get yeah. to that point where the robots start having their own ideas. And maybe there's like another villain who's a robot <laughs> that or, both Simon Quaid and John Moore are trying to stop. That actually could have been really interesting. Or the good guys managed to convert a robot and the robot joins their team. We need a, we need more cops teamed up with robots. We need more robots in a show about robots. That's, there should have been a main character who's a robot. Even if they're only acting like a person, even if they specifically say, yeah, they're not a real person, but we, we have them. We might as well use it. You could have done that, man. Yeah. That actually kind of been really interesting. You're right. It's kind of weird that they didn't bother. So, uh, Beyond Westworld. Mm. Um, <laughs> let's go back. Let's go back to Westworld. Beyond Westworld's too far. <laughs> back to Westworld. Westworld is where the concept lives. Fair, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I, but, you, I, I, but do you think it was canceled too? You didn't be more specific. Uh, I, I, 
like I said, it, it, I didn't want it to be, I don't want it to steamroll. I don't want it to become popular. I don't need a huge amount of this stuff. But you would have liked more. I could have stood a few more bites. Okay. A few more bites. Like a 13 episode season. Okay. More than five. I could have got, gone through it that much. But no more. I'm, right. I'm okay. <laughs> do, we, uh, do we have any letters? Oh, we got sacks and sacks of letters. Okay, cool. Uh, if you want to write in to cancel too soon, uh, email us at bmoviespodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, you can email us with suggestions. We're not going to read every suggestion on the air because literally we get hundreds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we're 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 backlogged on that. Will will take us forever to get to that. We can only mm. do so many episodes a year. Uh, but uh, we take every suggestion, and if we notice a ton of suggestions on one particular show, mm. obviously we try harder to find that show. Okay. Um, oh. But also, if you have any questions, you want to respond to something, if you watched any of the shows. Uh, that we've done. If you've watched a show that we're about to do and you want a uh, letter read on the air about a program, then you yeah. can be part of that conversation first time. By all yeah. means, do. So what yeah. do we got? Uh, this comes to us from Mint uh, about our episode on Guilt. Okay. Uh, Guilt he, for, was the soap opera on Freeform that we reviewed a few episodes ago. For uh, people who are just joining us. Uh, hey, Bibbs and Whitney. Two things about soap operas. Guilt seems to come from the same school as Gossip Girl and Pretty Little Liars and One Tree Hill and The O.C. and 90210 and Melrose Place and the never-ending <laughs> line of teen soaps that get people hooked on melodrama for the first time. Uh, the O.C. was mine, and I still love it. There you go. Fair enough. Yeah, it has that sort of baby's first lurid uh, kind of quality to it. Uh Two, there's a show on TV right now that decided to take the soap opera seriously and give it some good actors and good writing and direction, Lee Daniels' Empire. Uh, I've not caught up with Empire. I mean, I've seen a lot of it. Lee, Empire's great. Yeah. Empire's awesome. A lot of people are saying Rogue One is the best Star Wars movie since Empire, but Empire is not a Star Wars thing. I can see how people would get confused. But it's, it's really about rap music. It's about, yeah, it's about the record industry. So Shut uh, up! <laughs> ow, I slapped myself. Thank you. Uh, it has all the tropes of a soap opera with people... People, actors with a lot of skill, and pulling off melodrama. Yeah. Have you guys seen any of Empire yet? If so, what are your thoughts, and what was your introduction to the soap opera Whitney, since Bibbs already said it was As the World Turns? Thanks for the, show. Thanks for the show's uh, mint. Yeah, I saw the first season and a half of Empire. I keep meaning to get back to it. I'm sure I will eventually, but, you know, time, you know, I'm, I'm behind. Yeah. Uh, I love that show. It's incredibly entertaining. The music is surprisingly great. Mm. It's a lot of consistency to it. It's really awesome. Mm. Um, but it's a blast. And yeah, it's absolutely mm. a broad, you know, Dallas type soap opera yeah, yeah. fighting in a lily pond kind of deal. Um, it's great. It's a really, really fun show. It might have lost a step or two since I stopped watching it. I don't know, mm. but I dig it. There was a soap I tuned into on a kind of regular basis uh, when I was like in junior high or high school, and mm. it was the reboot of Dark Shadows. Oh yeah, remember that really short-lived reboot? I, I tuned How into that. How short-lived was that? Could we do it here? We could probably do it here. Okay. I think I think it only lasted a season. It wasn't okay. a daily show. That like, was the evening like the version. Original, of yeah. It, yeah. Uh, and my sister, she was the one who kind of brought me to TV. I wasn't watching a lot of TV beyond like Saturday morning cartoons at the time. So my sister would always dominate what we got to watch. And we were watching a lot of that Aaron Spelling, like the first wave of Beverly Hills 90210 and Melrose Place, the, the primetime soaps. Uh, I have never watched a daytime soap with any sort of regularity. I've caught oh, episodes of stuff here and there. I caught an episode of Passions, which was pretty spectacular. <laughs> Dark I, Shadows, I it, 12 episodes. Okay, we, we can do, we can do that we'll version do that. of Dark yeah. Shadows. Uh, so yeah, my, my experience with uh, soap operas is just like tastes of various soaps. Yeah. And uh, just sort of the, the what's leaked into my brain from general descriptions from the culture. I was accused of... Uh, 
insulting shows by referring to them as soap operas. Mm. Um, and that bothers me because it means that the word soap opera has become sort of comic book, where mm. a lot of people, some of them respected critics, uh, equate the very name of the genre mm. or medium with negativity. Yeah, and I think that's, I, and I think, I think that's crap. I think it, I think it's fair because no, you I don't. When when you use the term, you know what you're referring to in terms of the, the negative connotations I don't think that came out of soap operas, which they did, well, and that's no, fair. There's a lot of negative connotations uh, of soap operas, a lot of negative mm. connotations that came out of action movies, but mm. we still don't say action movies are inherently bad. Mm. A lot of people use soap opera as an inherently bad thing. A soap opera is merely an ongoing story mm. about interpersonal relationships that tend to be very melodramatic. It's, and you can say that about a lot of shows that mm. aren't quote-unquote soap operatic. This is true, but it refers to a very particular type of especially lurid interpersonal melodramas that was born of soap operas. I appreciate so that. It's, but it's, I don't think that's inherently a, it's bad. It's a great shorthand, and I think it works. But I think it's Bob, fine. I refer to uh, it... Uh, I refer same to same the, with comic book. Comic books you know, are a rich, varied art form. But when yeah. you say comic book... You are referring to a very specific type of uh, very simplified as adolescent storytelling, and I think that's demeaning mm. to comic books. So mm. much as I think referring to soap opera as a negative is demeaning to soap operas, because that's a perfectly valid way of telling a story. Mm. I refer to the Showtime series Masters of Sex as a soap opera, mm. and I stand by that because after a while you watch that show, you realize even though it's steeped in historical incident, it is like what mm. happened. The show's actual focus is who's fucking who. But if if you're that's a, what it is. If you're a writer and you need that sort of descriptor, I think whatever you're reading, you'll be able to sort of make that distinction between uh, something that is merely descriptive and something that is a pejorative. Uh, I don't. You, but my point say, is, I was using it as a descriptive, and uh, people said it must be fundamentally a pejorative. Don't call something a soap opera. I was. Uh, I was. I'm not going to name names. <laughs> I was put in a corner by some respectable critics <laughs> who were just like, "Don't you dare call Masters of Sex a soap opera. That is slander." And I'm like, "What it's the fuck? Slander? It's just descriptive language. It's a descriptive yeah. language. That's what it is. It's no. not a negative. It's just what it is. No, it was messed well, up. I, I think it's a versatile term. But all right, um, <sighs> this one comes from Canadian Keith. Okay. Uh, and th this is just a recommendation, but he gives us a list as to why. Okay. Uh, hi, guys. I know I didn't win the sweepstakes, but let's face it, winning and losing are kind of loser terms these days, at least in American politics. Ooh, this must have been right after uh, Election Day. That stinks. Uh, so I felt I should at least make a stronger case for my top series choice, 2007's Cavemen. Oh. So here are a dozen reasons why Ooh. you guys should choose to review it. One. Wow. Interesting, unique history to dive into. A TV show based off a series of Geico commercials? Fascinating. Yeah. Fa fascinating it's idea. Fascinating, yeah. Two, the show had a lot of baggage going into it. Many contemporary reviewers had already written off before it even aired, even without giving it a chance. It really warrants an impartial retrospective review. Three, the question if it was really racist or not is an interesting one, but without an obvious answer. It should be discussed a lot. Uh, four, exactly what this series... Ex what world this series exists in could also be a long, interesting conversation. Five, it had an unaired pilot, and they extensively retooled it afterwards. It's true. Uh, six, it's pretty short, just 13 episodes and only six aired in the United States. Seven, on one hand, the show is obscure and largely forgotten, but on the other hand, the longevity of the commercials it was based on to make it more memorable and notable. Mm -hmm. It's also notorious. Oh, yeah, it's, it's one of the most infamous television yeah. series ever, yeah. Uh, eight, the show has a cult following, does it? That like, might, a lot of people know it. Uh, that that might it. attract new listeners to your, your podcast, but I 
I would be among your high. It would be among one of your highest rated episodes. While that remains to be seen, yeah, usually uh, the stuff people have heard of tends to do better. Nine, the cavemen, but not the original actors, were also used in the music video "Let Me Be Myself" by Three Doors Down. <laughs> That's a fun side note. Okay. Okay. Uh, good 90s trivia there. Uh, 10, the entire series, including the episodes that only aired in Australia, are available for free on YouTube, making it easier for yourselves and your listeners to watch it. Yep. Uh, 11, since the series is only available on YouTube, it could be removed any time so you can miss your chance to review it <laughs> if you put it off for too long. And 12, I just rewatched the series last week. I can attest to the fact that it's totally worth it. Okay. Cavemen, huh? We have, it's, uh, it's on the list. It's on the list. Hopefully these reasons lie. will compare you to move the series up your list. Of your we had, to to. if you're a really big fan of cavemen, mm. if you're one of the people who wants us to review cavemen, we'll review cavemen. That'll we'll get to that. Um, and if you, if everyone keeps telling us to do it, we'll do it sooner than later. Mm. Uh, we had on the B Movies podcast about a year and a half ago. We had actor Nick Kroll, mm. uh, accomplished stand-up comic. He's uh, starred in a bunch of television series. He's one of the vanguard of comedy right now. Yeah, yeah. he's great. He was on the he had the Kroll Show. That was mm. a very popular uh, Comedy Central series. Um, and he also starred in the Caveman sitcom as one of the cavemen. And indeed, while I was sitting down with him, we talked quite a bit about the caveman experience and what that was like for him, mm. positive and negative. What came out of it that was good? What came out of it that was bad? Did they know while they were making it that it was going to be such a big problem? Uh, and he told a lot of interesting stories about that. So you can track that down. I'm sure if you just Google the B-Movies podcast and Nick Kroll, mm. uh, you'll find it really, really easily. Check that out. Right. And you'll you'll get a little a little taste. What, one, something something to ease your pain. One more letter, or are we running long? I'll do one more letter. All right. Uh, this comes from <sighs> Lady Knight the Brave. Hello, Lady Knight the Brave. Um, hi, Bibbs and Whitney. I actually tweeted you guys at your cancel too soon too soon Twitter regarding this, and then discovered that Twitter is borderline defunct. So here it goes. Oh yeah, uh, our new Twitter is, can- is canceled cast. Canceled cast with one L. Canceled too soon was created by us, but we got locked out by Twitter, and Twitter's uh, like help desk is useless. It's, the, the, it's not a help desk at all. No, it's just it's, a desk. It's, it's an unhelp desk. <laughs> uh, so canceled uh, cast. Tweet us there if you want to talk to us. Uh, she says, during October in one of your episodes, I believe you guys kind of went on about quote, what kids like these days when it comes to cartoons. I know Bibbs at least watched Gravity Falls, which kids and adults like me enjoyed immensely. Now I'm wondering, and I'm aiming this mostly at Bibbs, because, sorry Whitney, I doubt you're watching anything coming from the Cartoon Network these days. It's true, I don't have the Cartoon Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you at all aware of Steven Universe or Over the Garden Wall? Neither are applicable for Cancel Too Soon, now that you've clarified a miniseries doesn't count, but both are highly popular programs with kids, as well as some older audiences. If you have no idea what the shows are, here's a summary. Uh, Steven Universe... I've heard of Steven Universe. I've watched both of these, yeah, but I'll let okay. her do the Steven topic. Universe is about a boy who has magical powers and his friends, the Crystal Gems. Like a rock band? Uh, uh, that's like the, It's more like a superhero team. Yeah. Uh, the show has actually been very progressive, having gay characters. Main characters of color. Most of the voice cast, voice cast is people of color as well. And it's overall a very sweet show that has been gently delving into some really hard topics in a way that is mostly kid-friendly. Mm. It's really excellent, and the storyline is becoming more serialized as it progresses, which is neat. Uh, Over the Garden Wall was a 10-episode miniseries that was made for the fall Halloween season back in 2014. It follows two brothers, Wirt and Greg through this mysterious world called The Unknown, as they try to make their way home. For a Cartoon Network show that can be watched in two hours, the episodes are 11 minutes, there's a lot of atmosphere and time spent on small moments, and it also gets really effed up and scary at points. Basically, I'm wondering if you've heard of them, slash seen them, and what are your thoughts? 
I think even Whitney might enjoy Over the Garden Walls. Uh, cheers, Lady Night. Have you have you heard of Over the Garden Wall? Do you uh, know no, that? I don't even know what that okay. is. Uh, okay, so first off, Steven Universe. I'm behind on Steven Universe. I've seen the first two seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great. It's very distinctive. It's yeah. very sweet. It's got great music. Uh, and it's also ridiculously, like, straightforward and... Uh, 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 progressive when it comes to its treatment of LGBTQ characters mm. in a well, cartoon for kids. It's th- there's, great. There's, isn't there a conceit where people can switch bodies? And, they combine and, bodies. Oh, they like combine two bodies. people so, become yeah. one person. And then the, the sort of notion of what you do with your own gender identity in that, and a yeah. lot of uh, trans people are pointing to that as a very positive sort of trans metaphor. Well, so there's uh, a trans metaphor, there's an LGBT metaphor. There, there's there's a gay metaphor where like the idea of these these two women who are stronger together than they are hoping their identity is uh, sort of combined mm. in a way that is actually more to do with sort of a Genesis Peorage kind of idea oh, okay. if you watch that documentary about her mm. him Whatever right. the, however, Genesis Peerage chooses and, to and I know, and I know a um, lot of people are really uh, keen on the fact that the characters are all designed to look really fat, and fat characters. Well, are not a all of them. A lot strength. of them are. Yeah. They're 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 not all very rigidly uh, uh, confined to certain qualities of beauty. Mm. Um, all of the superhero characters, except for a young little boy, are women. Okay, and there's a lot of like some people mm. even come in like why can't we have why can't any of the gyms no. be men and like the creators mm. are just like do you need more male superheroes <laughs> no we're, we're, this one's ladies so, it's fine it's all of that and that's all well and good yeah. uh, does it is it a good show it's a great show okay it's a legitimately like, great like, show and I'd recommend it to anybody good stories interesting characters oh, yeah, or is yeah. it just no it's wonderful okay. it's really really oh. it's funny it's exciting it's really really great okay over the garden wall even though it's a mini series I might request that we do it for Halloween next year because we do specials mm. and it's been airing like all one night as a special. All right. A lot. Over the Garden Wall is one of the highlights of Western animation in like the last 10 years. Wow. Okay. It's so distinctive, incredibly funny, blurs the line between uh, uh, storytelling for kids and adults. Mm. Um, bizarre. Just, just, there's nothing quite like it, although you watch it and it feels like other things. And you realize, I don't know exactly what this is, mm. but it's this strange new idea of how to do fairy tales Hmm. that is fantastic i recommend it to everybody it's currently available on hulu oh my god see over the garden wall it is so great um i but i watch a lot of like kids animated shows like uh, as i mentioned before i'm catching up on sailor moon with my wife (laughs) Uh, i've never watched it before but i'm really really digging it um some of the other shows i really like right now uh voltron legendary defender is so great a lot of the people who worked on Avatar The Last uh, Airbender are working on it. It's really, really, really uh-huh. good. Um, and also the new Danger Mouse is surprisingly cool. I've heard that. Yeah, yeah it's, I really, really dig it. Uh, and uh, Star you, and the you, Forces of Evil is also wonderful. You watch Voltron. Voltron is great. <laughs> also, you know who else watches Voltron? Sergio, my cat. For whatever uh, reason, it likes the robot cat show. If there's any uh, exemplar of taste, it is Sergio. Clearly, the cat. it is Sergio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other day, he likes he's two like things. Pauline Kale. He likes two things: Voltron, Legendary Defender, and eating his own vomit. So, <laughs> cancel too soon. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Cancel Too Soon. Again, if you want to send in uh, your suggestions, uh, you can tweet us at canceledcast, canceled with one L. Um, or you can email us bmoviespodcast at gmail.com uh, just be sure to put cancel too soon or bmoviespodcast in the header so we know which one goes for which podcast yeah. um, let, 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 it lets me distinguish let us know what you think of uh, uh, Beyond Westworld, the original Westworld Future World, the new Westworld, any of that stuff we'll read you later on the air um, if you have any other ideas, suggestions, questions critiques uh, your own, if you remember watching Beyond Westworld when it came out love to find out what you thought 
Um, and we will be back next week for a Christmas episode. How great is this? Uh, we're not going to do a Christmas special like we did for Halloween. We're going to do the Christian version of Game of Thrones of Kings and Prophets that lasted two episodes earlier this year. I can't wait. It'll be fun. Uh, and then two weeks from that, uh, we're going to be taking our listener request. Um, as you recall, we had a sweepstakes running throughout November. The winner got to pick an episode of the show. We'll be doing the short-lived AMC thriller series Rubicon, which I'm actually very excited about. I meant to watch that when it came out. Never got to, and then it was off the air. Finally get to we'll catch see, up We'll on see it. what that's about. So hopefully it'll be really, really great. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. We have uh, Facebook.com slash Cancel Too Soon if you want to check out uh, more updates, Facebook Live videos, all that good stuff. Uh, and uh, I guess that's a wrap, folks. See you next season.